0: Ladies and gentlemen. Ali a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder aforemention.
1: The champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is as poised as can be in
2: the entertainment capital of the world. Right now, he backs off from a sharp right uppercut to the body by Tyson.
1: Again, a double right hand to the body and the chin. Down goes Lorenzo Boyd. The count is five. The count is six. The count is eight. He will not get
0: up. It's over. It's the T.C. Martin Show. The man is dangerous. He's dangerous. He's Steak. crazy. Okay. And don't give a damn about nothing. That's true. He says, ah, come at you. Ah.
1: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
2: Fighting out of the blue corner.
1: T.C. Martin. As he hit him with that punch, I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor
0: is now in.
1: Let's get along!
2: Hour number two on this Monday. T.C. Martin Ballpark, Frank Chuck on the other side of the glass here. Producing A-Way. Appreciate B.J. Armstrong for joining us in hour number one. We'll talk more Olympics here. Hour number two. And also, we'll be joined by our guest, Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali. He has made his professional boxing debut. The top-ranked boxing card coming up Saturday from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Hard Rock Hotel in Casino. That will be on ESPN and ESPN+. So uh, we'll talk to Nico Ali walsh the Las Vegas native, went to Bishop Gorman High School and currently at UNLV. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour, so hang tight for that. Yes, and uh, Olympics. It's over. The flame has been extinguished. The longest Olympic flame that burned in history. You know that, right? I did not know that. Yeah, because it started burning last year in 2020. They kept it burning the entire time? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kinda well, I mean, I shouldn't say it was because it actually was lit, as you know, you know the opening ceremonies by right. your girl, Naomi Osaka, right, yeah. but as far as like they're saying that it had the longest flame because it was in route, and they actually had to keep that flame going. Well don't
1: they always keep it going? Isn't that kind of eternal flame,
2: yeah, but I guess what they were saying is you know how like last year they began the process of traveling. From you know the previous Olympic city to right. this and that, and they kept it going and this and that. So they go. So technically, the moment that that is extinguished in you know 2016, then now this is the Tokyo flame of 2020, which was extinguished in 2021. There. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, they'll you know it uh, took a long time uh, to happen, but uh, the games conclude. USA. Wins the most gold medals, edges out China by one, right thirty nine thirty eight, I believe yeah, it was yeah. as far as the gold and the total two one thirteen. Yeah, I mean I they, they,
1: well, they were going to win the the most medals. I mean right. that was, but I mean China had that lead in uh in golds for quite a while. But uh, USA got a couple goals that maybe they didn't expect in things like uh, some of the Greco Roman uh, wrestling right. and things like that. And then China won gold that they figured was in their pocket in the uh, the. I think it was the three-meter springboard dive, the the Pairs. Great Britain actually won, and our buck Powers probably happy mm. because Tom Daly was right. part of that team there, and for the first time ever, China didn't sweep all the diving medals, and that one goal that they didn't get kind of ended up being the difference for them.
2: All right, Olympic Games, the best and the worst. Uh, let's start with the basketball. I think uh, you definitely, when you look at the women's, they were expected to win, they sent their best players, they played marvelously, they were really never threatened at all, um, destroyed everyone by double digits, defeated Japan 90-75 in the gold medal game. A little bit of a surprise that Japan got that far, but we've seen this with the variety of different Olympic events where the host country a lot of times is not... Um, doesn't even qualify, but because of the host co- country, they get in. Japan had a nice
1: Olympics. I mean, and you could tell that even without the fans, and that, that their athletes were very excited mm-hmm. and gave a hundred percent effort in everything that mm-hmm. they tried. Not saying that other athletes didn't, but they were stoked to be there.
2: Yeah, and uh, Japan played very, very well in the three on three women's basketball as well too. But uh, you know, when you when you look at basketball uh, again, kudos to the USA women for uh, winning gold again the seventh straight olympic games they won they had a 55 game win streak congratulations to them asia wilson had a fantastic tournament it's hard to say you know and of course they don't do awards like this for mvp but when you look at what asia did and brianna stewart and you know britney griner asia wilson's star probably shined the brightest set a a Olympic record for blocks you know she had 5 in the game against uh, Japan she was fantastic basically double doubles which is hard to do because again the minutes like we talked about with BJ Armstrong they're spread out i mean they're almost equally you know spread out at least around you know eight players or so and uh yeah it was it was great to see them win uh the men they got the the gold the four straight gold for the men's basketball team kudos to Kevin Durant for Basically carrying them, and of course, you know, I don't know how you feel. We heard the Kevin Durant soundbite earlier about, you know, hey, you know, these media guys, you know, they're in this room here today at the press conference, and they're the guys that uh, you know say that we wouldn't do this. And Draymond Green wants to spout off to Kendrick Perkins because Kendrick Perkins went on the NBA jump on ESPN and was, you know, saying, hey, I don't think, uh, you know, they're going to win, and there were a lot of doubters out there. And, uh, you know, even myself, I didn't doubt they would not win the gold medal, but I said, this is not our best team. They're not sending the best team. They didn't look good in the exhibition games here in Vegas. They didn't look good in the opener against France. But let's face it, the longer they play together, the better they're going to be. Uh, They still didn't have that cohesiveness, but they looked better than everybody else. And everyone else had some good star power, but they had one or two stars where Team USA had 12 of them. I mean literally. So uh, in, in the end that is going to get the job done. But how do you feel when you hear your greatest player in your country and in the NBA Kevin Durant just basically not taking the high road and why don't just accept your medal, be joyous? And again, I am going to compare it to the women because you don't hear any of this or you don't see any of this nonsense with the women. And again, they 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 treat themselves and, and treat the sport; they treat the Olympics with class, but this will rub people the wrong way. Of Kevin Durant just basically saying, "Man, you know," and, and dropping the S bomb there, you know, in the interviews and that sort of thing. It just—it's just not a good look. And I don't know why they feel the need to do this.
1: Well, I think part of it is because you know they are. Kind of pampered. They've been told that they've been the greatest since forever and that. And they were questioned going into this. Now, whatever fuel they used to get the fire lit to win the gold, I mean, kudos to that. I don't think anybody was questioning the women. It never came up, were the women going to win the gold? It was, who are they going to beat in the gold and by how many or whatever? So I think there is a difference there. And I do think Durant, I think Durant's felt slighted a lot of his career. A lot of people think that he should have won more championships. And then when they look at oh, the he's titles. Sensitive. he's sensitive. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He, he's sensitive. No and a lot of people say, okay, yeah, well, you finally went and won your championships because you went to a team with other good players. What have you won without Steph Curry? What have you won without the guys over there in that? So I do think that he's got a little bit of ax to grind there. And I'm not saying that what he did was right, because I don't think it is. But I think it's kind of something to do with the athletes of today and that kind of stuff, too. They, they call people out. They want everybody to tell them how great they are and that. They don't want to be questioned. They don't want to be this and that. But at the same time, those same media members that kind of lit the fire and helped them get to that, If they wouldn't have won the gold, then people would have said, well, why was the media so friendly on you and just figuring that you were going to get there? They were doing their job as well. They saw a lot of flaws. And, yeah, like when we talked to B.J. Armstrong, when you're adding three players, important pieces that are still playing in the finals that haven't practiced, obviously if you get any kind of cohesiveness and you play some games together, you're going to get better. So, yeah, Durant could have taken the high road. I just don't know if that's really him. I think Kevin Durant right now feels, okay, LeBron and all those guys didn't come. Well, I came here and I still got the gold, and I'm still not getting the love and the respect mm-hmm. and everything I deserve. I think Kevin Durant needs to win a championship without some of the other guys. But with the team he's on right now, they're still going to say, well, you still built a dream team. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just think Kevin Durant is always looking over his shoulder, but because he kind of sets himself up for these situations – I don't know if he's ever going to get the love that he thinks he deserves and that he wants. It's just demeanor,
2: you know, and that's that's where it is for me. It's, it's just the demeanor. And I know that's the way he is, and Draymond Green, you know, is that way as well, too. But we've seen both of these guys, you know, this isn't their first gold medal. They played before, and you didn't hear this. Maybe because they were younger or, you know, again, you had... LeBron James, and you had a quote-unquote dream team, a legitimate dream team. Nothing, of course, like you know 92 or even 96. But still, I don't think Americans want to hear that. We know that they don't want to hear that. And I go back to every other sport. I mean, you don't hear that. Uh, Ryan Lochte, let's use him as an example. Remember when the last Olympia in 2016 when he got in all kinds of trouble? At the and, gas station, yeah, yeah. And there were media members that ripped him. Ryan Lochte took the high road. He didn't sit there and say, you know, well, you know, hey, you're bagging on me, take this or whatever like that. And we've seen other, you know, athletes do the same thing. Simone Biles took a lot of hits early on in this competition because they didn't fully understand the whole situation with her mental illness and that sort of thing. And then finally, you know, everyone kind of came around and said, "Okay, You know, they called her courageous and this and that. There were were a lot of people that were on the fence with that,
1: as you know. And I actually think Naomi Osaka, with what she went through, made it a little bit easier for Simone Biles because she Mm -hmm. sat out the last two majors before that, then came to the Olympics and was like, see, she's fine. She'll win the gold here. Then she loses in the third Mm -hmm. round in what probably meant as much or more to her than any tournament she's ever been in. And I think some, some people looked and went, Maybe there is
2: something to this stuff. And, and here's the thing. I guess with an NBA championship, we'll just keep it within the sport, Durant and other people like that, You, we've seen it before. You kind of expect that. But things are supposed to be at a different level when you're representing your country in the Olympics, okay? There is no individualism whatsoever, all right? You, you, you don't see, for the most part, you know, uh, the names on the back of the jersey and that sort of thing. You're playing for what's on the front of your jersey. And that's why you don't have specialty numbers. Everyone in basketball, they're 1 through 15. People say, well, why is you know he's 7? Why is Asia Wilson number 9? Because just that's the way it is. Every it, There are certain rules that you follow, and you give up the individualistic stuff for the greater good of the team and, more importantly, your country. And I think that, okay, if you act this way during the course of your own sport, you know, in basketball, you, you can get away with it. But people don't want to see that when you're representing your country because, let's face it, it's just not NBA fans that are watching this now. You're, it's the casual fans. It's no fans. It's p- people don't even really care for sports, but they're going to tune in and root for USA. People are rooting for Kevin Durant. They've never even heard of Kevin Durant before. So, again, I think you just have to know that going into it and just come on. I mean, put yourself you know, in, in a different Light. Put yourself in a different position, and 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 know who your audience is. You know how they say they know the room. Kevin Durant doesn't know the room. He thinks he's playing. You know, you know, back in in Oakland or San Francisco, and you know now in Brooklyn or whatever. And it's like, hey, he can talk all that mess. You don't talk that mess. Not in international. Not in another country. It just doesn't play well.
1: Well, let's face it. I don't think he not only doesn't know the room. I don't think he cares about it. Exactly. He, w- he wants to do what he wants to right. do because, like you said, that's his demeanor and that this is maybe the first Olympics I can ever remember, and correct me if you can remember one before, where we heard people in this country that are flag-waving people that say how much they love America rooting for against a couple USA teams. There were people rooting against the women's soccer and glad that they didn't get the gold or play in the gold medal game. There were people rooting against Team USA in basketball I don't think they've lost a lot of sleep, and they're totally upset that they won the gold, but they would have kind of liked to have seen them not play for the gold or not get there. The division in this country right now is huge, and a lot of it is because some of these people are doing stuff, and they are saying, look at me in the bigger picture and things that they want to push or whatever they want, but it's really turning a lot of people off. And we're having people that are looking at the backs of the names and the jerseys and stuff like that because they think – I've heard people literally say – If you're going to play in the Olympics for a team, we're talking about how people didn't play there, they should have to pass some kind of Patriot test or something like that to even compete. Now, to me, that's kind of crazy and silly because, yeah, when you get out there on the wrestling matter or even on a team sport, you are essentially playing for yourself and your teammates. It is the USA, but you're playing for the other stuff as well. But I don't ever remember people openly cheering against USA teams before. That shows you the divide in this nation.
2: Yeah, you're right, and they're... Let's be clear, they're for two different separate reasons yeah, as Yeah, well. for sure. Now, with Team USA and the basketball, people were upset that they didn't send their best players and people like uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James declined to go. And saying, they're saying, well, and you were adding, you know, pieces, adding guys at the last minute and you really didn't construct this roster in, in the best possible way. So I think, okay, that is that. Now, the uh, women's soccer it's definitely because you have some outspoken personalities that are speaking out about other things, not even relationship to sports. So I think that's where that is, like, oh, wait. And, you know, that, that's individualism. You're kind of using your platform to either promote other things or go against your country and that sort of thing. So I think those are the reasons why people are, are going against a women's soccer team.
1: I agree with you, but I also I I, I do know some people – that we're still holding it against some of the NBA players for taking a knee during the true. NBA season and stuff like too. that. That's so So yeah. there was still part of that. And yet, Durant with his outspokenness and not the, not the best players going, and although the women's soccer team, a lot of them took a knee kind of for a different reason right. because the LGBTQ right. community in that, but they still – a lot of people, when they see anybody take a knee or question anything in this country – it turns them off, and it has caused a division. And even though they weren't doing that during the Olympics, they still remember them doing it. You know, in the other things and that. Like I remember people telling me when the women lost their first game. I'm so glad Sweden won. Really? <laughs> did you watch the game? Yeah. Because before that particular game, both teams took a knee. So why was it so bad that the USA did? But Sweden was. You're rooting for them. It, it was a unified thing they were both saying the same stuff mm-hmm. but people were turned off because the usa women had the audacity to do it and i'm not going to get all political here and say my views in this that, and the other is not a political show but i just i can't remember people openly in this country cheering against this country and again that goes back to social
2: media everybody has an opinion and again yeah we're not as unified i mean that's that's clear <laughs> in in all facets of of life, and and we see that. But uh, and you know the Olympic Games have been that way, as we know, going back. I mean, for I
1: love when people say, "Oh, the Olympics shouldn't be political." They've always, always. been political. Yeah. And we, yeah. we boycotted an Olympics. Then the then Russia boycotted mm-hmm. the, the next Olympics. It's like you know what happened in Munich, one of the worst catastrophes in the history of international sport. If you want to take politics out of the Olympics. Then you're canceling the Olympics. Well, it goes back to, you know, Jesse Owens and it goes back to the
2: way a lot of those USA uh, athletes were treated in 1936. I mean, you go, you know, with Germany, you go back to all of that. I mean, there's always something, whether it's, like you said, you know, Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Afghanistan, Russia, you know, any controversy, you know, in this country. I mean, it always plays to a part of it. But, you know, for the most part, I say for the most part, people try to put that stuff aside and we see unity and we see these great stories with athletes from other countries. And really that gap has been bridged because of the international flavor of most of our major sports with basketball, the men and the women's side, you see so many of the foreign players that play in the NBA or the WNBA and that sort of thing. And, um, And you even see it in in other sports as as well, too. We're we're seeing more and more of a crossover, which is cool, which you would think, okay, hey, these guys actually have some friendships with people from other countries. But
1: other sports, though, it's still very divided. Well, and you you take something like track and field, which I love track and field. Mm -hmm. Almost all those athletes from the other countries, they go to school over here. Correct. You know? Dupontis, the guy that I was talking about the whole Olympics in the pole vault, he was born in Louisiana, and he pole vaults at LSU. I believe his mom is Swedish, so that's why he vaults for Sweden. I mean, the Jamaican sprinters and that, a lot of these athletes, a huge percentage, come over here and go to school over here and college and everything else. They're in the United States. They just happen to be running for or performing for a different uh, team or program. By the way, one other thing that I do, because I'm not sure everybody knows this, did you notice that Bruce Springsteen's daughter got a silver medal?
2: Yes, that's true. Uh, For me, one of the the best stories, again, back to the women's basketball, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi getting five gold medals. Think about that. That's in 21 years. That's five Olympiads. Mm -hmm. Over 21 years. They're in their 40s. And they are—they got five gold medals each. I mean, that's like unheard of. First man or woman, uh, woman that has ever done that, and, and then two of them have done that. I mean, that is just insane to think. And uh, so that—that that was a great feel-good story. And I love the women's volleyball team. First time in history, a lot of people don't realize that. First time in history, the women's volleyball team won a gold medal.
1: And they lost one of their best players. They had three girls named Jordan on the team. One of them, I believe, hurt her ACL or something like that. She couldn't perform, and the rest of them stood up and got the job done. And when it comes to uh, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, I don't know if you happened to catch the interview after that game, but they were saying how it's been great and everything. And and really it was over 21 years, not even 20, because this Olympics, of course, the 2020 were in 2021. And Sue Bird said, yeah, I'm just going to go home to my wife now and enjoy life and this, that, and the other. And Diana Rossi said, see you in three years. So she has hinted that yeah. well look if she's going to retire I can do something that nobody's done. She has already come right out and said, "Hey, you know what? It's only 3 years not 4. I think I still got something in the tank." She's hinting that yeah. she will be there yeah. in 2024. I believe that's in Paris.
2: Correct him. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um Caleb Dressel, great story as well, too. Five gold medals. Uh, USA Swimming, they won 30 medals overall. 11 gold, 10 silver, 9 bronze. Oh, we were sensational Uh, in the pool. And and that's great. I mean, that is something that, again, you know, this is what USA is known for. I mean, swimming, basketball, gymnastics, but the swimming,
1: uh, that's... That's us, you know, plain and simple. Yeah. And, b- uh, and by the way, when I said we, it, no, I wasn't on the team, but being a member of course. the US. fine. Totally you know, because totally I fine. know sometimes I I, I get I on people for saying the we, but in this, know. you know, this am part of the country. Red, you white, know? and blue. Absolutely.
2: You know? Lydia Jacoby. I mean, the first gold medal, the the from Alaska. I mean
1: that from that's... a state that doesn't even have a pool with the fifty with yeah. the
2: fifty meters in it. Great story.
1: Um, again. Well, so. how about the girl from Vegas, Erica Sullivan, who uh, mm-hmm. got the got the silver medal? Yeah. yeah. Um and then you know we uh, the, the, in the women's
2: 800 meter we got gold first time in 53 years. Yeah. Right? What uh uh Moo her last name is Moo, right? Yeah, I A- I'd have to double A- look at that. A- up, Mu, so. Yeah. Uh yeah, and uh, then she also got um uh, uh, the 4x400 four relay, she got gold in that as well, too.
1: Allison Felix in a couple yeah. golds. and Sydney
2: McLaughlin, the gold in the 400-meter hurdles, which you just raved about. You know, oh, world the record. men's and women's,
1: the 400-meter yeah. hurdles yeah. were sensational in both men's mm-hmm. and women's. All right, real quick, uh, the disappointments the four-by-100-meter relay team. Sixth place,
2: drop the baton, ridiculous. It, it, it's inexcusable. Yeah. It
1: really is. And I know Carl Lewis and some others yeah. have. And I know that they don't work together all the time and this, that, and the other, and they had some switches and that. I'm sorry. It, it's, you've got to put the guys on there that if you have to do it a little bit safer or whatever, you cannot make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. For them to not be in the final for the four-by-100-meter, absolutely atrocious. Carl Lewis called it a total embarrassment. And it
2: was. I agree
1: with him completely. Yeah. Everyone
2: should agree with him. This is the first time since 1896. Think about this. Yeah, not even I was around back then. <laughs> Failed <laughs> to win a gold medal in any individual event in the men's track. Think about that. Men's track. First time since 1896 we have not won an individual gold medal. That is crazy, because track and field, swimming, basketball, gymnastics.
1: Come on, th- th- those are our sports. No, that's just track, right? Track. That Men's doesn't track, that, right? Not the field Men's events, track. because I believe we won shot put and himself some stuff like Men's in track. the field. Men's track, yeah.
2: Men's track, and you talked about the bo- the botched handoff in the four x one hundred. Yeah, that's insane. That was insane. Women's soccer, disappointing as well too. Just plain simple. And uh, I'll say this too. It, Another sport that we used to dominate, and
1: we don't do it anymore, is boxing. No gold medals in boxing. And yet the best performance <laughs> since 2000. Sad. I mean, we we, didn't, we haven't even had a medal since 2004, so this mm. team actually was the best we've had in a long time. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about where the world's caught up in that, and it is two different sports in the pros and that. It seems like today a lot of youngsters in that want to turn pro and maybe they don't go that amateur route or whatever because it's not the same. And I will say this, too, and and it's one of the things, and I'm sure you felt the same way. And whatever they're doing with Peacock Network and all that kind of stuff, I, I get it, you're trying to get somebody else to subscribe to your new stuff. I, there should have been more boxing that was open to those of us that wanted to find it. You had four damn networks. Show it on. I finally saw some of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought some of the boxers did okay. But, boy, I'll tell you what, Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and those countries, they take that stuff seriously. Oh, of course. so yeah. And they're, you know. they're the way that we
2: used to be. I mean, these kids are now fighting at five and six years old. And, now you know, they've had champions from these countries now. And now – uh, they brought just uh, you know great notoriety to the sport, and they know yeah. the
1: international rules because again, it is a yeah. different game. Yeah, yeah,
2: and a lot of those guys don't turn out to be great professional boxers, but you're seeing more and more of those guys now that that are that are in the ring and they're competitive, and yeah, so that that's that's disappointing. And again, the coverage was was really hard to follow, and again, I I get it. If you want to try to get a new audience, you want to try to. You know, get the skateboarding in there and some of the X game stuff, but but please, I think that's why you have you know four and five different you know channels under your network umbrella to show that kind of stuff. Again, let's let's kind of stick in in the main realm here, especially on NBC, to to see the main stuff. And again, in you know, boxing should be in there. I mean, it should be in there. We should be seeing you know more of that and seeing more. You know, as much live stuff as we can instead of, uh, you know, the delayed stuff. And, again, sending us to a pay-per-view network, basically, because that's what Peacock is. That's just horrendous. Yeah, and I guess that's there was change.
1: ways, to, if you went through it and put in your passwords and stuff, that you could get it for free and everything. But a lot of people didn't know how to do that. I wasn't sure. Yeah. And then uh, a buddy of ours, Armando, told well, no, you can get it because you have the case. I'm like, well, I don't know exactly the steps in it. And, and then to just blatantly come right and tell us. We're not showing you this because it is popular with the men's basketball a couple times. You're telling me I have to watch it on replay because I'm not getting your Peacock Network or something like that. I mean, that's almost insult to injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would say the highlight to me, though, was we dominated the pool and swimming in that. But also just some of the ironic stuff that did happen because it was a year later. Like the 14-year-old diver from China who's like 80 pounds or something. I mean, she's she's a wisp of a little girl. They weren't even sure if they were going to put her on the team because she'd never been in an international competition before because she wasn't old enough. If these Olympics happened last year, she's 13. She couldn't even have competed. Right. And then they put her in, and she blows the world record away and everything. She had two perfect dives and one where she got six 10s and a 6 and a a 9.5. So, I mean, it's crazy some of the stuff that we did see in that. Uh I saw the emergence of, uh, of China in some sports. We knew that they were good in others. I thought Japan had a real nice Olympics. The Canadian women's soccer team, I was, I was actually happy for them getting as far as they did. I thought there was some interesting stuff there. But overall, I enjoyed it. But I, I would have enjoyed it more if it would have been easier to see everything that yep, I wanted to. Totally agree. All right, we come back. Nico Ali
2: Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali, making his pro boxing debut, Las Vegas native. He joins us.
0: This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. All
2: right, this Saturday night, Top Ranked Boxing is back at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And on that card will be the grandson. Of Muhammad Ali, Las Vegas native, making his professional debut in a four-rounder. And looking forward to seeing this. Uh, pride of Bishop Gorman, also UNLV. He is Nico Ali Walsh. Nico, thanks for joining us today, my man. What's happening? Thank you for having me. How you doing? We're doing great, man. Uh, we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, anxiously awaiting uh, your pro debut coming up Saturday night. Yeah, I'm super excited. So let's talk a little bit about your story, uh, Bishop Gorman. Uh, currently a UNLV student. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I know you're going to UNLV. You know, Nico. Not yeah. Too... No, it, you're right. Okay. Not too many college students are signing pro contracts and having their professional debut. Uh, you know, in, in the middle of getting ready to start classes here. So I got to ask you: At what point in time did you know that you wanted to do this and become a professional boxer?
0: You know, I mean, it, it is very hard battling school and uh obviously boxing, but I have to make it work because, you know, me and my family agree that education is number 1. So, uh yeah, I mean, it's it's not often that you see that, but it it has been done many times before and I uh I have so much uh
1: so much respect for those who were able to do that. So what's more difficult for you, your UNLV class or making your weight class? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, actually, making weight for me hasn't
0: uh, been difficult ever, really. Uh, My first fight, I really didn't listen to my coaches, and I I had to uh, take strenuous baths, and I I was forced to make weight the day before the fight, and I said to myself, I'll never do that again, so I'm on weight right now.
2: What is your weight right
0: now? Right now, I weigh 163, and I'm going to be fighting at 162.
2: Okay. All right. So there he is.
0: All right. So uh, he's, he's right there in the middleweight division, an exciting
2: division. And, uh, you know, as you know, uh, it's a money division. I mean, there's a lot of money in the middleweight yeah. division as well, too. And you're just starting out. He's going to be in a four-rounder against Jordan Weeks. Uh, it'll be on ESPN this Saturday night, top-ranked boxing, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. So, Nico, I'm sure you know the history, of course, with Top Rank Boxing. Bob Arum, as you know, your grandfather fought for him. That was one of Bob Arum's, you know, first guys. And uh, you know, we're big Top Rank guys, known Bob for for many, many decades, and just love what Top Rank does. Uh, Just talk a little bit about that and being able to sign with Bob Arum, you know, Las Vegas-based Top Rank, and of course, considering that that's where your grandfather fought under
0: i mean it it really couldn't it couldn't be written any more perfect uh, I think just the fact that he's here in vegas i've always watched top rank i 've always looked up to Bob aram you know top rank is the biggest promotion in boxing, no matter what anyone says uh they're the most respected i would say, and uh yeah, on top of all that they bob aram's first promoted fight was my grandfather, so just continuing that that uh that story is amazing. You know, after all these years, he's he's now uh, promoting me. What at what
2: point in time did you actually start taking boxing seriously? Let's let's hear your story because with a lot of boxers, you know, we say, hey, they'll they'll get gloves in their hands at the age of three or four or five. Uh, kind of take us through your journey.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I've been around boxing my whole life. I've had you know boxing gloves on at the ages of three four or five but I obviously don't remember that um but yeah I mean I would say I, I started taking it seriously after my first sparring match and I got you know totally beat up and after that I knew that I have to go in this a hundred percent or I should just not be boxing at all so ever since then I've been taking it seriously and what age was
1: that I believe I was 13 at the time okay when it comes to your boxing style, how would you describe yourself to fans that uh haven't seen you before? Because obviously they look at your bloodlines and they have an idea what they think you might be, but are they right or are you completely different?
0: Um they're definitely wrong if they if they look at my bloodlines and they watch my grandfather. Uh I don't believe anyone will be able to box like my grandfather. He was, you know, so unique. Uh, same way, I don't think anyone will be able to fight like Canelo. You know, everyone's just unique in their own way. But my new trainer, Sugar Hill, is—he's teaching me to be aggressive. He's teaching me to use my jab. So, you know, the new fighter that I am now—I wasn't three years or, or three months ago, even. So I'm, I'm excited to see what will show up the night of the fight.
2: So, what about amateur? Uh, your amateur background? How many fights did you have?
0: I would say around 30. I mean, it, it's really hard to tell because a lot of my fights in the amateurs were exhibitions to start out to start off with, which, you know, didn't count on record.
2: Mm-hmm. He is Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali. Nico, we know Muhammad died in 2016. You were, like, around 15 years old at that point in time. How much do you remember about your grandfather, and at what point did you realize— hey, my grandfather is considered the greatest of all time.
0: I remember so much. I I mean, I I have so, so many memories um, because we were just hanging out with him all the time because he lived in Arizona and I lived in Vegas. So it was just constantly making drives and trips down to Arizona to see him. But, uh, yeah, I would say still to this day, I don't really understand what you guys understand about him to me he is just my grandfather but i started i started noticing that you know a lot of people knew him um at his 70th birthday gala here in Las Vegas uh in 2012 i was i was uh, 11 years old i think mm-hmm.
1: when it comes to uh you know people knowing who your grandfather is do you realize uh, when you get into the ring, Comes, I'm sure you saw it in the amateurs and now you're going to find it in the pros, that other people look at that and they're like, wait a second, I can make a name for myself if I beat this guy just because of who he is. Does that make extra incentive for you? Because my guess is you're going to be getting everybody's best shot every time you step into squared. Yeah. No, that's what my aunt said. She said, um, because my aunt was a boxer, and she said that you'll
0: be getting everybody's A game. You know, everyone will be fighting you for their lives, basically, to, you know, be able to say I knocked out so-and-so's grandson or whatnot. But, yeah, it just gives me more incentive to, to do well because everyone I fight is going to try their absolute hardest when fighting me more so than anybody else.
2: I want to talk to you about Aunt Layla, Layla Ali, obviously former fighter undefeated women's champion uh, one of the greatest women boxer probably arguably the greatest women's boxer of all time what is your relationship like with her and how much boxing have you talked with her about over the years how far does that go back
0: well you know she she was a lot of my fights were in LA because I was having a hard time finding amateur fights in Vegas so for the LA fight she was she was right there in the crowd. Uh, supporting me and it was just it was great to have family in the crowd uh, supporting me and she was able to give me you know tips here and there for how to deal with you know the pressures of it Mm -hmm.
2: carrying on the legacy you've heard that term a lot and I know top rank has even utilized that how much of that Nico do you embrace and how much of it would maybe you rather would be you know not the headlines of your career
0: yeah, you know, I mean, I'm still young. I just turned 21. I'm still working towards embracing the name instead of running away from it. I've spent so many years running away from it, uh, but I can't seem to ever find peace in doing that. But I would say that right now, my trainer is Hill Stewart, and his he trained uh, Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world, and uh, his uncle is Emmanuel Stewart. So, you know, he's... Continuing the legacy of his late uncle, and I'm continuing the legacy of my grandfather. So he's able to talk to me about, you know, living behind the name, that kind of thing. And he's really able to help me with that.
1: Were there a lot of people out there, whether they were family members or friends, that advise you to maybe look at a different profession because of the name and the pressure and, you know, with the Ali name there? Because cause I think of like a guy like, you know, Ken, Ken Norton Jr. who went on to play football because he basically was like, I don't want to get into boxing because look who my dad was or whatever like that. It, it, was there ever a consideration of doing something else on your part or were you like, no, I've fallen in love with this and this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, you know, I mean, I would never find peace if I was continuing to
0: hide uh, because I, I can't hide. People would always find out about my grandfather no matter what. I never said anything, but people would always find out. And whether I was, you know, a football player or maybe not even an athlete at all, if I went into business or, you know, I was an architect, I would still be getting compared to my grandfather. So there's no way around it. Um, and I've fallen in love with boxing, so I'm, I'm definitely not going to go away from what I love just to try and hide from the name.
2: Nika, what would be the best advice or the greatest advice that you have been given, either by your grandfather or your Aunt Layla, uh, you know, during, during your journey here?
0: Well, my grandfather... Um, he gave me a lot of advice. A lot of it wasn't boxing related. It was more so, you know, life related. And that's where I've learned most from him. But, uh, I would say, you know, staying in, sh- he told me directly to stay in shape, whether I was fighting or not. And that is so simple, but people really don't do it as much as you would think. Uh, after, after a fight camp, people will kind of go back to eating a lot or partying or whatever. and, it just makes it harder on them to get back in shape for the next fight. So I would say that's the, some of the best advice he's given me.
2: You know, we mentioned earlier that he was uh, – you were about 15 when he passed away in 2016, right? Give or take, you're about, about 15 right. years old. So in, in a lot yeah. of people really don't um, – understand the the type of condition that he was in, uh, you know, prior to his death and everything, how was he able to communicate with you? Because we would see him out and about sometimes, but, you know, he obviously wasn't doing interviews and that that sort of thing. What can you tell people about your grandfather for, Is, is ba- as far back as you can early remember?
0: Well, you know, his later years, he wasn't the – rambunctious and loud outspoken guy that people saw you know early on in his career Um, he did have Parkinson's disease which made it harder for him to talk um, and walk but you know some days were better than others and no matter what it didn't take away from his smile it didn't take away from his humor his laughing and those are most of our memories was that you know the memories I have of my grandfather are very little words it's mostly actions and that's that's how I was able to learn more from those actions than the words.
1: You mentioned that you're just kind of coming around to finding out how important he was to everybody else and how everybody knows him and that because to you he was always just your grandfather. Have you had a chance to watch the majority of his fights over his career? And if so, is there a favorite one that you look at it and you go, man, I can't believe he pulled that off and what he did in the ring?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've seen every fight available to the public of him, uh, and I would say my favorite fight of his was the fight against George Foreman. And just because that fight was, you know, phenomenal in the fight itself, but that fight we were we would always watch me and him. I would always pull it up on YouTube and, and watch that fight with him. So it kind of has a sentimental value to that fight for me. All right. Nico, did you play any other sports when
2: you were either uh, growing up, junior high, or while you were at Gorman, or when did you just turn your attention full time to boxing?
0: You know, I didn't play any sports really. I, I played I played basketball maybe at eight years old. My grandfather actually I played with my brother on on a team, and my grandfather came in the the basketball court one day and surprised us. You know, just showed up randomly. But uh, other than other than like these small small sports like flag football, I, I was never I was never into any sports. Boxing has been my first and only one.
2: You mentioned your brother; uh, he's a football player himself. He played at UNLV and, and Cal as well, too, right? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, talk, talk about him and that relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean he he played at Gorman. He had an amazing career at Gorman, and then he went to Cal Berkeley, and then he went to UNLV. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, I I feel like the family is prone to going into sports. You know, it's almost like we can't help it.
1: You know, you brought something up there and all of a sudden a visual popped in my head and I got to try to figure out and wrap my head around it. What is the buzz like in a gymnasium when Muhammad Ali just pops in kind of unannounced? (laughs) Well, you know, I was eight at the time, but
0: I do remember everybody freaking out. And we just, me and my brother, found it funny. You know, I was shocked to see him. He just, he just, he literally just walked in and sat down on the bleachers next to everybody, Uh, and all the other players, even even the kids my age, recognized him. And uh, yeah, it was just very hectic, but it was a very fun experience.
2: Nico Ali Walsh, grandson of Muhammad Ali, making his pro debut Saturday night. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, four-rounder against Jordan Weeks. You can see this on ESPN on Saturday night. Definitely looking forward uh, to that. You know, Nico, as you get ready for your first fight here. I don't know if it's sunk in to you because, uh, like I said, in the beginning, you said yourself, you didn't realize, hey, you know, my grandfather's the greatest of all time. Took some while to sink in. Not many guys making their pro debut get to have the heavyweight champions trainer training them in their debut, like Sugar Hill. You're going to have a great corner. you got Bob Arum, the best promoter in the business. You've signed with top rank here uh, as a 20-year-old. How much has all of this sunk in as you get ready to step in the ring here days away?
0: Well, you know, I don't think it's all fully sunk in yet. I think after the fight, after I win, it will it will be – time to rejoice and you know i'm just i'm blessed and i'm very thankful to be in the position that i'm in you know with bob arum with top rank especially with sugar hill and yeah i'm just i'm honored to be among these you know living legends and it's it's just such a blessing
2: all right so uh saturday night uh, what do you know about your opponent uh talk a little bit about your preparation
0: honestly sugar hill uh his idea for preparing a fighter same with tyson fury Is that he doesn't look at the opponent? He says that he prepares the fighter to fight anybody. So I, you know, that's that's what I'm being prepared for.
1: When it comes to um, this fight coming up here, and you have this, you mentioned after the win, and I like that confidence that you that you said there. But I'm curious. What do you do after a win to celebrate? Because I've talked to a lot of fighters, whether they're boxing, MMA, or something else, and a lot of them say, well, I have a cheat food or I'm going to do this, that, or the other. You mentioned how you want to stay in shape all the time. So what do you do to celebrate? Because I'm thinking you're not going to do like Ricky Hatton told me he did years ago when he became Ricky Fat in between fights. So what is your go-to celebration? I'm definitely, uh, I, I'm definitely not a party-goer.
0: So I'm not going to be going out to parties. I'm not going to be drinking and smoking, doing all that. But I will definitely indulge in a cheat meal, and just for that night, you know, I'm not going to overdo it whatsoever. But that that would be my only vice is you know, cheat meals. What is your cheat meal? Yeah, you know, I was going to have, we were going to ask that one, no doubt. <laughs> What's the go-to food, man? I mean, my me and my grandfather, just my whole family in general. My dad, everybody, we're all sweet tooths and we love ice cream and stuff my grandfather would eat ice cream before heavyweight fights so you know i'm not going to be one of those guys i'm not a heavyweight i do have to make weight but uh that that will be my cheat meal ice cream you know something something good
1: what's your go-to ice cream yeah
0: honestly i'm so plain vanilla is fine you know i'm not even thinking about uh a cheat mill right now it's been so long that i haven't you know cheated that i, I almost don't want to right now all right what is the uh, ring walk song i don't know if i'm gonna be able to i don't know if i've picked a song yet okay. honestly okay
2: all right yeah you i don't need, know do you need some suggestions here i mean do, do we need to help you out here we're going to have to give you some, I mean, some yeah. old-school funk in honor of your, of, of your grandfather.
0: That's what we need to do. It's, def- it's definitely not going to be Eye of the Tiger or <laughs> yeah, you know, something you. that's been right. played before. You're right. No doubt. <laughs> right.
2: All right. Uh, real quick synopsis, uh, Nico. So uh, take us through how you're approaching this fight. Uh, you got some nerves. You're going to step in this ring. Uh, tell, us, tell us what uh, what is your game plan, stepping into the ring Saturday night for the first time.
0: My game plan is just to listen to my coach. I I have full trust in him, and, you know, he's got the pedigree to back up everything he's saying. And, yeah, if I listen to him, it will be a very easy uh, night. All right.
2: We're going to remember this interview, and hopefully you do too, because uh, you sound very humble. Everything that we've heard about you, you're a great guy. guy. And, uh, again, you're stepping into some very big shoes, as you know. And, uh, you know, bless you, my friend, uh, successful career. And I know we are going to be talking to you a lot because we talk a lot of boxing, you know, on this show and we'll be covering you. We'll be rooting for you on Saturday night, my friend. So, uh, uh, take care and, uh, enjoy the moment as it all unfolds for you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank
2: you for having me. All right.
1: Humble but confident.
2: Absolutely. Again, that's what you you have to be. That's it. Floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. Nico is, uh, I don't know. Finish out the rhyme there.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just picturing after he gets like uh, 10 or 12 wins under his belt or something, and all of a sudden he's doing a commercial with chocolate, you know, but with his vanilla ice cream right. trying to put some <laughs> toppings on it. Sprinkles! <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs>
2: all right, Nico. Good luck, brother man. We'll uh, We'll uh, talk to you soon, and good luck Saturday night. Awesome, thank you. There he is. Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali, top right boxing. You can see him Saturday night uh in ESPN taking on Jordan Weeks in a four rounder.
1: What do you think Jordan Weeks is going through right now? Yeah, he's what's sa- on his mind? Yeah, he's sh- he's
2: shaking right now. Yeah.
1: Is he, he shaking or is he going, This is the opportunity to to get my name out there?
2: It, it's the opportunity. There's no question he's gonna feel the opportunity. But uh remember, when it, when when you sign a fighter uh you are matchmaking very very carefully, and you are matchmaking that you know you want your guy to look good in this case, Nico is top ranks, guys, Bob's guy, Bruce Trampler's guy. So they're going to make sure that he looks good. I, I suspect we're going to see a great performance, and I expect we're going to see a knockout Saturday night.
1: So Weeks is the old um, Tyson line of everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I,
2: again, don't know anything about uh, you know right. the Jordan Weeks. Yeah. But, uh, again. Wouldn't surprise you
1: if that's what we saw. There
2: you go. Yeah. So uh, rooting for him. Again, a Las Vegas native. We'd love that. And not just Bishop Gorman, but UNLV. And a current rebel who is making his pro debut. That is unheard of. You know, for a guy who's actually going to class and is signs a professional boxing contract with, you know, the top promotion in the business. Good stuff. All right, I want to thank uh, Nico Alley Walsh for uh, joining us. We appreciate him. Also, BJ Armstrong, the three time NBA champion, talking Team USA. Tomorrow, we got terrible Tuesday stuff. Look forward to that. And uh, we'll have a little bit more Olympics talk. Raiders training camp; they get ready for their first exhibition game at Allegiant Stadium coming up here on Saturday night against the Seattle Seahawks. So we've got all that to preview, and NBA Summer League this uh, this week as well too.
1: Yeah, I think there's like ten days of that left, and yep. uh, the food tour's over. And uh, you did not gain all that weight that you said you were going to. Right, so right. you know how it is, man. I appreciate <laughs> no. The
2: Really don't. (laughs) All right, we're back. Back from vacation, ready to roll here. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.